Good afternoon. It's Dr. Andy Marone. Welcome to another edition of Dr. Andy's Wellness Corner, the show that's designed to help you and your family live a longer, happier, and healthier life. Why? So you can do more of what you love to do. I am also the clinic director at Redmond Ridge Nutrition and Chiropractic, where we restore your health safely, naturally, and effectively without drugs or surgery. Feel free to call in the show at any time. The phone number is 425-373-5527. That number again is 425-373-5527. Or in Western Washington, feel free to call 888-298-KKNW. That's 888-298-5569. You can also email me personally at drandy, D-R-A-N-D-Y, at Redmond Ridge Chiropractic. And of course, don't forget our website, redmondridgenutrition.com. If you decide to fill out the online form, I will send you a free ebook on health in America. The office phone number, of course, is 425-868-0120. That number again is 425-868-0120. If you'd like to talk to me in person and have a question that you'd rather not be discussed on the air. I will be at Vitamin Life in Redmond in the Trader Joe's and QFC Shopping Center this Saturday at noontime, giving an interactive workshop on osteoporosis and bone health. Also, we are still looking for a wonderfully licensed massage therapist in a wonderful, upbeat, patient and client-centered clinic. If you are an available massage therapist licensed to practice in Washington State, please email me your resume at drandy, D-R-A-N-D-Y, at RedmondRidgeChiropractic.com. I'm here with my wonderful producer, Eric Ryder. Good afternoon, Andy. How are you today? I am amazing. I'm just enjoying the uh, sunlight and the beautiful mountain view from our studio here. (laughs) Yeah, we've got a a great view and looks like uh, tomorrow is going to be another beautiful day. So we are enjoying it. Spring is finally sprung. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when I got to the office on Redmond Ridge, I... um, I had gotten basically arrived at an abandoned office and I could set my own hours, right? Because it was going to be my office now. And I thought maybe I'm going to take Fridays off and just mon- work Monday through Thursdays. I started looking at the schedule and Fridays has always been the most busy day. So <laughs> that plan completely failed on me. So I'm off Thursdays instead, which is why I'm able to do this show. <laughs> well, we're glad it worked out. Anyway. Hey, yeah, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, we uh, last week we had a, a couple listener questions that uh, we didn't have time for. So let's start with that before we run out of time. Our first email is from Cindy from Shoreline. And you mentioned that PMS was a protein calcium problem. I've always heard it was a water retention problem. Can you explain that? Uh, that's a great question. And I started to address this last week, but we ran out of time, which is why I'm kind of re-airing it. Uh, Water retention can be a a common symptom of PMS, and there are two reasons for it, and I'll give you those reasons in a second, but I want to be clear that water retention doesn't cause PMS, it's a symptom of PMS. The cause of PMS is a protein deficiency, which essentially robs the cycle of the vital calcium it needs to carry out in a healthy manner. So here are the reasons for water retention. The most common cause is the hormonal changes and the imbalance due to the increase of estrogen. And that starts slowly in the premenstrual stage, but is excessive in the follicular stage. 
Now, the luteal stage, and again, if you want a review of all this, my podcasts are available, Dr. Andy's Wellness Corner on iTunes or Google Play, or on my website, redmondridgenutrition.com. So if you're not familiar with these terms and want to learn more about the cycle, uh, go ahead and check out that podcast. The luteal stage uh, sees the estrogen diminish and the progesterone increase, which also maintains a hormonal imbalance. And this basically causes fluid to be retained in the feet, hands, legs, and abdomen. But another cause of this water retention is the dehydration that can occur before and during the period, but mostly before. Women often don't drink enough water in these stages of the cycle, and so dehydration always leads to water retention as the body's going to try and keep what it has. Finally, obviously, if a woman has a high sodium amount, this will also increase fluid retention, and this, of course, is accentuated or heightened uh, during the cycle. Diet is a huge factor in water retention uh, during menstruation because of the many properties in food to either retain or expel fluid, and how you eat is very important, just as important as what you eat. Things to avoid, of course, and you're going to, this is my mantra, right? Um, Avoid refined sugar, simple carbs. Um, Try to get more complex carbs and plenty of fiber and lean protein as well. Now, where where do fiber and complex carbs come from? You guys have listened to my show long enough. You should know where these things should come from. Fresh fruits and vegetables, not from whole grains. That has a whole nother set of problems. Anyway, uh, there should be plenty of fiber and lean protein. It is recommended that smaller meals be eaten four or five times a day rather than three large meals. I've recommended this um, outside of this problem. So, you know, it, doesn't, it stands to reason that, uh, that it would make sense here too. A lot of iron can help too. And also f- uh, foods that have high amounts of water so that the fluid can help the, f- uh, the kidneys to flush out the excess fluid. Uh, these foods include... Berries, watermelons, cucumbers, lettuce, celery. And again, where should your fiber come from? You've heard me say it a million times. Fresh fruit and vegetables. But back to PMS, which is essentially a protein calcium problem. Calcium is needed for a healthy cycle. And calcium is carried by protein. My avid listeners already know that the safest way to get calcium is through leafy greens like spinach and kale. However, as I've said a million times, uh, calcium on a, by itself is not enough. You need protein to carry it. And that's where enzymes come in. So don't just start supplementing with calcium, as women who supplement with calcium are five times more likely to suffer from dementia and stroke. They're also at greater risk of cancer. Get calcium from your diet, eat more protein, and use specific protein enzyme supplements. If you'd like to know more about that, go to redmondridgenutrition.com, fill out the contact us page, and I'll be happy to get back to you on that. Again, redmondridge.com, contact us. Well, we got another uh, women's health question that came in from Erica and Ballard, and she says, I've heard that wild yam can help with hot flashes. Does it work and how? Yes. Uh, and does sweet potatoes work? <laughs> <laughs> Theoretically. Um, so I went uh, through a whole list on one of our shows of women's health supplements, whether they work or don't work. And, and most of them don't work. However, wild yam 
is one that uh, research shows has a very significant effect. The research does show that wild yam can support healthy temperature regulation. You see what I did there? I'm staying FDA legal <laughs> in every way, shape, or form. Now, in order to explain how it works, let me give you an overview as to why hot flashes happen during menopause. In the brain, there are receptors that control your body temperature. These receptors need a specific chemical. And guess what that chemical is? It's estrogen. So when a woman goes through menopause, her estrogen production decreases. That means there's less estrogen to bind with those spots in the brain. Now the brain has a harder time regulating temperature and voila, there are your hot flashes. It's a common misconception, and I want to, uh, I want to emphasize it's a common misconception that wild yam contains estrogen. What it does contain, however, is an estrogen analog. And that's actually a good thing because there are certain types of estrogen that increase a woman's risk of uh, very deadly cancers. Uh, so this estrogen-like substance can still bind with the estrogen receptors in the brain to support healthy temperature regulation. Now, men don't have this problem because they never have as much estrogen to begin with, so there's no dramatic change as we age. I guess some things in life just aren't fair, right? Um, just a reminder that one of my specialties is women's health, supporting healthy fertility, a healthy cycle, and even healthy changes through menopause. So if you would like to know more, feel free to call the office at 425 8680120. That number again is 425-868-0120. Email me personally at Dr. Andy D-R-A-N-D-Y at RedmondRidgeChiropractic.com or go to RedmondRidgeNutrition.com, fill out the online form, and I will get back to you. Remember that there's three ways to listen to the show: KKNW Alternative Talk, AM eleven fifty. They also uh, simulcast it on HD Radio 98.9, subchannel 3. And you can stream us on the web at kknw.com. I also have a Facebook page, Dr. Andy's Wellness Corner. And on my website, redmondridgenutrition.com, either place, I post articles on health and wellness almost daily. Eric, I think we had another email coming in. We did. Jerry and Snohomish emailed us. And he says, my mom has arthritis really bad in her spine, but lately it seems to have gotten much worse. She now complains of pain going down both legs to the feet and severe weakness in both legs. Is there anything she can do about it? Yeah, uh, yes, but um, before I go into um, what I've actually already told this person, uh, I want to let the listeners know this, this uh, email actually came in last week, and I've already contacted this person in in person, but I felt that this situation was important enough that I should broadcast the situation in case any of you have family members with similar symptoms, you understand the severity that this problem might be. So first, so I have already um, contacted this patient quite, quite urgently. So Jerry, the first thing you need to do is ask your mom these questions. Now this is super crucial, so please, please, please 
pay attention, write it down if you need to. First of all, has your mom suddenly lost bowel or bladder control? Does she have severe pain going down both legs on coughing, sneezing, or bearing down to go to the bathroom? If any of that, any one of those things is true, and I'll repeat them again, sudden loss of bowel or bladder control, severe pain going down the legs on coughing, sneezing, or bearing down to go to the bathroom. Any one of those, if it's true, any one, these are signs of a serious spinal cord injury. This is a medical emergency. You need to pick up the phone and call 911 immediately. I cannot, again, for those of you listeners, I've already responded to this patient in person, but I want you to hear the situation. You may know somebody that's suffering like this, and this is a medical emergency, and they do need to go to the emergency room. Now, if there are no problems, then we need to evaluate what is putting pressure on the spinal cord or the spinal nerve on both sides. Um, Probably have an x-ray taken first. If it's osteoarthritis, it will show up on the x-ray. You can look at the bone spurs and see if she's a surgical candidate. But quite frankly, if the bone spurs are causing the symptoms that severe, she probably is a surgical candidate. If the x-rays don't give the information you'll need, you need, then you'll need to have an MRI done, in which case it's likely a bulged disc. Whether conservative treatments like chiropractic, physical therapy, traction, or non-surgical spinal decompression are appropriate will depend on how severe that disc bulge is. But again, she may, and it sounds likely, that she's a surgical candidate. Once you have the appropriate imaging done, I'm happy to take a look and give you my honest opinion. But again, I'm going to say it again, if there's any loss of bowel or bladder control, any pain going down both legs on coughing, sneezing, or bearing down to go to the bathroom, if any of them are true, and I mean any one of them, it's a medical emergency, a spinal cord injury, call 911 ASAP. All right. We also received an email from Lisa in Redmond who asks, are enzyme vitamin supplements, are enzymes vitamin supplements? Yeah, the print on these emails is pretty small sometimes. Um, yes, uh, I will answer that question. Again, a reminder, I will be in Vitamin Life in Redmond at the Trader Joe's Shopping Center between Trader Joe's and QFC, uh, both this Saturday and next Saturday. This Saturday, I will be doing an interactive workshop on osteoporosis and both bone health. And next Saturday, I will be talking about cardiovascular disease and heart health. Lisa, enzymes are supplements, but they are not vitamins. In fact, vitamins are coenzymes. That is, they can only do their job when your body has the right enzymes in place. So vitamins can only help enzymes do their job. Enzymes are the only chemical in the body that can actually do work. Enzymes are what we would call in the chemistry world catalysts. That is, they speed up chemical reactions. In fact, without enzymes, these chemical reactions would not take place fast enough to support life. Now, enzymes come from two different sources. First of all, your body makes them. Second of all, you get them in your food. However, by the time you reach age 40, your body's ability to make enzymes decreases 70%. On top of that, food manufacturers remove enzymes from your food 
to increase shelf life. And yes, even fresh fruits and vegetables and meat have fewer enzymes in them today than they did even 20 years ago. And that's all to increase shelf life. It's a common misconception that enzymes only digest your food. Yes, some enzymes digest your food, but every single function in your body requires enzymes. These functions range from fighting infections to making brain chemicals like serotonin to carrying calcium, uh, which supports bone health, muscle health, healthy cycle, heart health, joint repair, joint health. You name a function in the body, and I guarantee you it requires an enzyme. To sum it up, enzymes in my practice are supplements, but they are not vitamins. In fact, what they would do is help your body use vitamins properly. And if you're concerned about your health, if your ailment affects your work, family, fun, or active life support, lifestyle, and you would like to support a healthy body safely, naturally, and effectively without drugs or surgery, give me a call and set up a consultation. The office phone number is 425-868-0120, 425-868-0120. If you have a question for me right away, the phone lines are open here in the station, 425 425- Three seven three five five two seven. That number again is four two five three seven three five five two seven. Or email me at Dr. Andy at RedmondRidgeChiropractic.com. We will set up a consultation. I will sit down with you in an unrushed atmosphere and talk to you about your suffering and how it affects your life. We will even do some preliminary testing to see if you're good a good candidate for care. That includes bioimpedance analysis, which is trusted by NASA and Cancer Research of America, if you, Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you're a good candidate for care, we'll talk about everything. If you're not, I will find you an appropriate referral. Now, Ben from Mill Creek writes, I happen to catch your show on asthma. Do you have any research showing how enzymes might help with asthma? Yes, so um, let's, but let's, let's make this uh, question FDA-friendly. <laughs> enzymes can support healthy functions of several systems that may be related to an asthma attack. To be clear, I don't treat asthma, but here's the research on how enzymes help with asthma. According to the CDC, asthma affected over 26.5 million Americans in 2010. According to the Asthma Foundation, it has been on the rise since the 1970s. That's about 17% of Americans, or about one in five or six. It's also a 25% increase since 2001, and it's projected to increase over 30 to over 30% of the population, American population, by 2030. Sadly, modern medicine can only manage the symptoms or responded respond to an attack. Now, I'm not understating the importance of that. When we did our airing on asthma, uh, I talked about the fact that if you have asthma, you better carry around an inhaler because the last thing you want to do is have an attack and have it claim your life. An inhaler can save your life in an emergency situation. An asthma attack is lethal, so when it flares up, intervention can save your life. And as always, I'm very grateful for modern medicine's ability to handle that and other types of crisis care. However, that's all they can do. Asthma is an allergic to attack. That is to say, 
Asthma is basically your body's immune system overreacting to an allergen, something that you're allergic to. When this happens, certain immune cells go into overdrive. That leads to inflammation and constriction of the airways in the lungs, making breathing very, very difficult. It can also worsen with exertion. In fact, three out of five asthma sufferers are forced to limit their physical activity because it could risk a serious flare-up. Additionally, nearly one in two children miss at least one day of school each year because of their asthma, and nearly one in three adults miss at least one day of work each year because of their asthma. Asthma also interferes with activities. As, a, as I said earlier, three in five people limit their usual activities because of their condition. So let's get into the uh, research. Researchers at Johns Hopkins University showed subjects missing a specific enzyme had T-cells, T-cells, by the way, are part of your immune system, that were out of control. These specific T-cells are part of your immune system, and when they're out of control, they can cause an asthma attack. This enzyme, which is labeled SGK1, keeps those T-cells under control. As a side note, subjects in the study also developed fewer tumors. This shows that the same enzyme may be helpful in the treatment of the certain types of cancer. Uh, So FDA, if you're listening in, that's from the research. I'm not saying that enzymes treat anything. That's word for word from the research, just just to be clear. Um, Of course, what the medical community wants to do with this information, uh, according to the research, is they want to mimic this behavior with a drug. You get the, did you hear that right? They want to mimic this behavior with a drug rather than supply the enzyme that the patient is deficient in. However, it is nice to hear the medical community is validating my work. <laughs> They're basically validating um, uh, enzymes for certain things. It's important, too, to remember that I don't treat any disease. This, of course, includes asthma. However, we can support healthy function of your liver, immune system, skin, and kidneys, Uh, And again, check my airing on uh, asthma, which is available on the podcast, Dr. Andy's Wellness Corner, either in Google Play or iTunes, Um, and we can support healthy digestion. So again, if you're wondering what these are have to do with asthma, check out our podcast. If you would like to know more, please email me at drandy at redmondridgechiropractic.com. That's D-R-A-N-D-Y at redmondridgechiropractic.com. Or uh, go to redmondridgenutrition.com, fill out, fill out the online form. Not only will I get back to you, but I'll send you an ebook on health in America. If you like the music in this show, by the way, uh, go to uh, iTunes, uh, Amazon, Google Play, or CD Baby. Look for the album Mechanical Eyes. It is available for purchase. And there's always three ways to listen to our show, KKNW AM 1150 Alternative Talk which is simulcast on HD Radio 98.9, subchannel 3, and we stream on kknw.com. We have a blog on both Facebook and the website, redmondridgenutrition.com, and Dr. Andy's Wellness Corner on Facebook. There's new articles on health and wellness that I personally research, write, and post almost daily. All right. We have an email from David in Kirkland. He says, I caught your airing on arthritis. Do you have any research on how enzymes can help with rheumatoid arthritis? 
I have terrible swelling in my joints, and my doctors tell me that it's rheumatoid arthritis. Again, um, to be clear, I don't treat any disease. I can't state that I treat any disease. Uh, so I can't state that enzymes help with rheumatoid arthritis. However, there is research out there that shows that enzymes performed just as well, if not better than the popular drugs on the market today. Enzymes are basically the unsung heroes of the body. In fact, life would be impossible without them. Your body contains over 50,000 different types of enzymes, so much for enzymes being just for digestion, huh? These valuable particles control the chemistry in your body that keep you healthy. What most people don't realize, however, is that enzymes also play a vital role in controlling swelling. I think you mentioned that in your question. It is also important to remember that most forms of arthritis are inflammatory diseases, swelling-based diseases. Uh, there are also many other diseases that result from these pr problems. Swelling or inflammation is your body's biggest way of protecting itself. If you've ever suffered from something like an insect bite, an injury, even a sore throat, then you know what inflammation or swelling is. It's your body's way of telling you something is wrong and protecting that area. In fact, there are five textbook signs. They are redness, heat, swelling, pain, and tight muscles. What regulates this response is specific enzymes. What happens is these enzymes break down certain proteins that cause swelling. Now, this in turn controls inflammation levels in your body. These vital chemicals work by breaking down germs and toxins that tax your immune system and lead to swelling. Without them, swelling can lead to many, many, many serious problems, not just rheumatoid arthritis, but they include kidney disease, chronic pain, nerve problems, as we talked about earlier, certain types of arthritis, and many, many, many more. In fact, rheumatoid arthritis is the most common inflammatory joint disease, but there are others as well. Now, according to Nutrition Review, Italian researchers performed a study comparing these enzymes to the most popular drugs on the market today. And here's what they found. The enzymes did just as well or better. Let me say that again. In this research, the enzymes did just as well or better than the four most powerful steroidal and non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Now, it's important to realize you can't just pick up a generic enzyme off the shelf. It has to be a specific enzyme. Laura from Seattle emailed us uh, in with a pretty lengthy question. So I'm not sure. Do we want to take a break? or uh, Why don't you go ahead and the read question? the question? Okay, we'll we'll leave that as our cliffhanger. <laughs> All right. I listened to your show on women's health, and I decided to go to my medical doctor and ask them about what you said regarding calcium protein and a healthy cycle. Now, I suffer from PMS, something terrible, and don't want to take anything for it. Uh, he told me that uh, everything you said about calcium and protein was hogwash and wanted to write me a bunch of prescriptions. I told him I didn't want to take any drugs, but he was pretty pushy about it. He insisted I take the prescription with me. 
I took it to quiet him down, but basically threw it in the trash. And my questions are twofold. One, uh, what do you have to say in response to the MD saying calcium and protein have nothing to do with the cycle and enzymes can't help? And secondly, do you have any idea why the MD was so belligerent about taking the prescriptions? I actually have a lot of thoughts on that. So why don't we take a super quick break? And we will be right back with the answer to that question. You're listening to Dr. Andy's Wellness Corner on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Do you have a thought about me? Did you vanish into air? Are you somewhere dreaming? At Redmond Ridge Nutrition and Chiropractic, Dr. Marone will take the time to sit down with you and listen to you about your health concerns and how they affect your life and the lives of your loved ones. After hearing me complain about it for the last time, my wife insisted I get it checked out. I went to the hospital and was referred from specialist to specialist. Everyone seemed to have a different opinion as to what disease I had, but nothing seemed to work. I felt like giving up. My wife was already a patient of Redmond Ridge Nutrition and Chiropractic and insisted I go in for a consult. Now, I'm a biologist and thought that all natural health care was unscientific. Dr. Andy explained everything scientifically but in a way that anyone could understand it. I went through the testing and was amazed at the results. Not only did it work, but there is science behind what Dr. Andy does. If you've been from doctor to doctor with no answers to your suffering, or are sick and tired of being processed through the healthcare system like an object on a conveyor belt, give Redmond Ridge Nutrition and Chiropractic a call and set up a consultation. You'll receive individualized care in a caring environment. You can reach us at 425-868-0120. That's 425-868-0120. Or check out the website, redmondridgenutrition.com. That's RedmondRidgeNutrition.com. Exploring new territory every day. This is Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to Dr. Andy's Wellness Corner. I am Dr. Andy Marone. I'm giving you the show that allows you and your family to live a longer, happier, and healthier life so that you can live and enjoy life to its fullest. We just came back from commercial break, and Eric, uh, we had a rather long question from (laughs) Laura in Seattle. If you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to repeat that question for our people just joining us. Sure. Let me just recap. Uh, This one's from Laura in in Seattle, and she says, I listened to the show on women's health. I decided to go to my medical doctor and ask them about what you said regarding calcium, protein, and a healthy cycle. She says she suffers from PMS and doesn't want to take anything for it. But the doctor told her that everything you said about calcium and protein was hogwash and wanted to write her a bunch of prescriptions. She told him that she didn't want to take any drugs, but he was pretty pushy about it and insisted that she take the prescription with her. And uh, she says uh, she's got a two-part question here. One, what do you have to say in response to the MD saying calcium and protein have nothing to do with the cycle and enzymes can't help? And secondly, do you have any idea why the MD was so belligerent 
about taking the prescription. Yeah, um, Laura, anybody, um, so I'm going to answer every aspect of your question, and if this takes a while, I apologize, but I want to make sure that you uh, you understand. Um, first of all, as far as throwing your prescription into the trash, that's your choice. I'm not going to advise you to do that or not to do that. I am not allowed. That's between you and your medical doctor, and I am going to stay as far away from that as possible for legal and ethical reasons. However, anybody who's studied basic physiology and basic endocrinology knows that calcium is required for the cycle to carry out properly. As a matter of fact, the cycle is a lot of hormone and muscle contractions, and calcium is needed for both of those. Anybody who's studied basic physiology also knows that most of your calcium is carried by protein. And any graduate-level biochemistry or physiology book will tell you that. So as far as that's concerned, it's not a matter of anybody's opinion. It's a fact. In fact, Guyton, which is the standard medical textbook, and for that matter, chiropractic textbook uh, on physiology, and yes, we dumb chiropractors study physiology and biochemistry, and in fact, we use the same textbooks that the medical schools do, um, and so, but uh, where our education differs, however, is with nutrition. Medical doctors, while incredibly educated on disease, I don't want to say medical doctors are uneducated. I want to be clear about that. But they only receive less than 20 contact hours of nutrition education. Now, between my chiropractic school and my advanced studies on enzyme nutrition, I have completed over 200 hours of postgraduate nutritional studies. So sadly, while the medical doctors are experts in some areas, I do not want to take that away from them. Uh, they really don't know nutrition. And here's why. When my father went to medical school, and my dad is a medical doctor, medical schools earned their profits three ways. The first way, of course, comes from uh, charging students tuition. The second source comes from, came from alumni donations, and lastly, from hosting continuing education. Now, the hospital made a little bit of money uh, seeing patients, although not a lot at the, in those days. You got a huge discount if you were to be willing to seen by a, an extern or an intern. Uh, but most of their funding nowadays comes from Big Pharma. As a matter of fact, the AMSA, the American Medical Student Association, in collaboration with Pew Charitable Trusts, uncovered just how extensively the uh, pharmaceutical companies influence medical institutions in the U.S. The AMSA can created a conflict of interest scorecard. This scorecard shows just how ethically academia was interacting with the pharmaceutical business. And here are the results. 40 out of 150 schools received an F. And that includes Harvard, by the way, which had a no conflict of interest policy in place. Now, note they did receive an, Harvard did receive an A on the next survey, which is Less than 15% of medical schools scored an A or B, uh, insinuating the overwhelming majority of doctors have received a severely skewed education. That's according to the American Medical Student Association. Now, as far as the drug pushing, I can't answer that. Maybe he truly believed they would help you. Maybe he was trying to sell you something. Maybe he was just annoyed and felt like you were questioning his education, knowledge, and authority. Again, MDs are very educated in their field. I want to be super clear about that. 
I'm on taking any, I'm not trying to take anything away from them. However, there is another possibility, and I'll explain it with a story, a true story, by the way. One day, when I was younger, I was working in my dad's office filing charts, and all of a sudden, I heard my dad screaming and yelling at somebody in his actual office. A few seconds later, a man in a suit rushed out of my dad's office. He was still putting on his coat and organizing his things and shuffling his paper, and he was trying to get out of the office as fast as possible. And he, uh, I mean, he had the, the look of death on his face. He was scared to death. Now, um, I've seen that look when I've been in trouble before, but I've never seen that, that my, my dad behave that way uh, any other time, especially in the office. And I gave my office, our office manager, a really surprised look. And she said he was probably a prescription drug rep. Later that night at the dinner table, I asked my dad what happened. And he basically said the man was, in fact, a prescription drug rep. He also said the man wanted to sign my dad up for an incentive program. Every time my dad prescribed a certain drug, he basically earned points. At the end of the campaign, the doctors with the most points won an all-expenses-paid trip to the Super Bowl. For four, for four, by the way. My dad explained he felt that was unethical and kicked the guy out of his office and refused to sign up. Now, how many doctors sign up? And even if they say, I'm not going to let it influence my decision making, it's still there. My dad graduated at the time from Hershey Medical School. And Hershey Medical School, at least at that time, was a very conservative medical school. As a matter of fact, they taught their doctors that they should only use medical intervention when absolutely necessary. Unfortunately, times have changed. And so while my dad was upstanding and ethical, how many doctors sign up for promotions like these? And when you're receiving a script, how can you be sure that at some subconscious level, your doctor isn't thinking about the the prize at the end of that promotion? Even if he or she doesn't mean to, that thought is still lingering there. If I owned a gym and I told every patient that came in my door that in order to get better, they needed to join this specific gym, I would lose my license. And the only way I wouldn't is if, A, I disclosed that I own that gym, in writing, by the way, and, B, provided other gyms as an option as well. Otherwise, it's called a conflict of interest. So why am I held to that standard, which is a, the right standard? And, and by the way, I don't own a gym, Eric. I wish I did, but I don't. <laughs> um, but There's still time. Yeah, yeah I guess. Um, so uh, the, uh, why am I held to that standard, and yet the medical doctors and the prescription drug companies are being held to a different standard, and which of those is a bigger conf- conflict of interest? Now, there is another possibility. One possibility is that your doctor has some incentive. But again, I want to be clear, I'm not trying to point the finger at anybody. That is one possibility. The other things that I mentioned were possibilities too. I mean, maybe he had an argument with his wife before he came to work and he's subconsciously taking it out on you. I don't know. Um, there, There are many possibilities and I really don't want to make any assumptions. However, if you do want to improve your health safely naturally and effectively without drugs or surgery, feel free to give me a call at the office, 425-868-0120. That's 425-868-0120. Or even email me again at drandy at redmondridgechiropractic.com. We can set up a consult, figure out what your issues are, figure out if we can help you. 
And if we can't help you, I will find you a referral to someone who won't be so pushy. All right. Well, Laura from Seattle uh, emailed in. Uh, actually, sorry, that was the one we just Yeah, we just, <laughs> we just talked just about covered. that one. Sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully that thoroughly answered your question. Uh, it was probably Laura. more information that <laughs> yeah. she wanted to know, but uh, I hope it was helpful. It was Eugenia who uh, I was trying to go to now, Eugenia from Woodenville. She says uh, she's been suffering from anxiety, and she seems to remember a long time ago that you said there was a gut-brain connection. Could that be related to anxiety? Yes. Um, You know, we have an amazing listening audience. They really ask the right questions. Uh, This is a can of worms. You thought the last answer was long? (laughs) Um, This one may be a little longer, um, and I'll try to get it all in before we run out of time here. But uh, researchers have discovered that the gut basically has its own nervous system. You've heard me talk about it in previous episodes. In fact, it even has its own name. It's called the ENS, or enteric nervous system. Enteric is a big fancy word for gut. As a matter of fact, the gut even has its own response to neurotransmitters. There's actually way more serotonin in the gut than in the brain. That's why actually a lot of um, psychological drugs affect digestion, by the way. Uh, Also, many neurotransmitters are converted to their active form in the gut. And guess by what substance? Enzymes. And let me give you an example. Tryptophan can be converted to serotonin, but in the gut by specific enzymes. The gut contains over 100 million neurons which is more than the spinal cord. Major neurotransmitters like serotonin, dopamine, glutamine, norepinephrine, and nitric oxide are found in the gut. There's also an interaction between the gut brain and drugs. According to Dr. Gershon, when you make a drug to have psychic effects on the brain, it's very likely to have an effect on the gut that you had no uh, idea would happen. Uh, Dr. Gershon is a professor of anatomy and cellular biology at Columbia Presbyterian Medical Center in New York. He's also one of the founders of a new field of medicine called neurogastroenterology. Um, As a matter of fact, a quarter of the people taking Prozac or similar antidepressants have gastrointestinal problems like nausea, diarrhea, and constipation. According to PubMed, both tryptophan and serotonin have a two-way communication between the gut and the central nervous system. A two-way communication between the gut and the central nervous system. They call it the gut-brain access. It is a bi-directional communication system between the central nervous system and the gastrointestinal tract. Serotonin functions as the key neurotransmitter at both ends of the network. There's also substantial overlap between behaviors by the microbiome in the gut and those which rely on the transmission of serotonin. In infants, developing serotonin may be, uh, if, if they're not developing serotonin properly, they may be vulnerable to unhealthy microbe colonization, and that can lead to uh, health problems, especially mental health problems. So the conclusion is, Therapeutic targeting of the gut may be a viable treatment strategy for mood disorders. So 
a lot of things, a lot of people are talking about probiotics or all the rage, and they're talking about the, the gut microbiome, which is the collection of microorganisms and their genomes in the gut habitat, which are now regarded as critical in the gut-brain axis. One startling fact is that microorganisms in our GI tract outnumber the human cells in our body by a factor of 10 and contain 150 times as many genes as our own genome. The complex role of the gut microbiome within the gut-brain axis is now just beginning to be charted, as is the understanding of the two-way communication between the ENS and the CNS, the enteric nervous system and the central nervous system. Furthermore, researchers at Baylor College of Medicine and Texas Children's Hospital have identified certain bacteria in the human intestine that produce neurotransmitters that may play a role in preventing inflammatory bowel diseases such as Crohn's disease. So yes, digestion and digestive health can affect your mood and vice versa. Sorry, Eugenia, you opened up a huge can of worms there, but uh, I hope that answer was complete but informative at the same time. Very informative. All right, I think we got time for another email. Uh, Sarah in North Bend has a question. I hear you talking about uh, inflammation and the standard American diet a lot on the show. In fact, you called it sad. Are there foods in particular that make inflammation worse? Uh, yes, there are. Um, I'm going to give you a list. Uh, but, uh, Sarah, yes, the standard American diet truly is sad. Our food pyramid isn't even correct. How can, how can our diet be correct when our food pyramid is wrong? What the government is telling us to eat is fundamentally wrong. Uh, vegetable oils that contain omega-6 fat, fatty acids are notorious for inflammation. So increasing your intake of omega-3s helps your body balance the ratio between 3s and 6 uh, and support low inflammation levels. However, be sure to see my blog post on uh, how to properly use omega-3s. If you use them improperly, they too can increase inflammation. Dairy products. Yes, you heard me right. Dairy products. Many people are unaware that milk and other dairy products trigger inflammation. It is also important to note that milk is hidden in many foods, including bread, cereal, and I'm not talking cereal where you add milk to either, uh, cookies, and so on. Not to mention 60% of Americans can't digest milk, which, by the way, is a genetic norm. It's genetically normal to be lactose intolerant by, beyond age four. Name a mammal that we haven't raised, that drinks the milk of another mammal, name a mammal besides us and domesticated animals that drinks milk beyond infancy. It is a genetic norm to not tolerate milk or lactose after age four. Sugar, of course. Did you know there's tons of research out there linking sugar to inflammation, obesity, and chronic diseases? Avoid table sugar and foods with added sugar. And by the way, that includes almost all processed foods. Processed meat. And by the way, processed meat can also increase your risk of cancer. That's, those are both according to the World Health Organization. Refined flour and sadly refined grains. They're not only extremely low in nutrients, but there's a strong link between them, cancer, inflammation, 
weight gain, and chronic diseases. Of course, anything that causes inflammation is going to lead to the number one chronic diseases in America. Alcohol should come as no surprise. Long-term alcohol intake will cause chronic inflammation and increase your risk of cancer. Trans fat. Of course, the media has saturated the market, no pun intended, with uh, information on trans fats. They, in fact, you commonly find these harmful fats in deep-fried foods, especially fast food. Strong research shows that they are very strong inflammatory agents. Common additives like aspartame are strong inflammatory foods. Sodas, diet sodas, and, any, and uh, energy drink contains high amounts of these additives. Artificial sweeteners uh, increase inflammation. That's right. And they increase the risk of type 2 diabetes. So those of you who have diabetes that are drinking those diet sodas, guess what? You're not really helping things that much. See, I have an article on my website about that. Gluten. Gluten ruins your health and promotes inflammation. Avoid foods that contain wheat. But be extremely careful. Many gluten-free foods are high in simple carbs, which also contribute to inflammation and type 2 diabetes. So be careful about your gluten substitutes as well. Agave, a lot of people turn to for a natural non-sugar alternative, but unfortunately it's a mistake. In fact, 90% of agave is sugar. <laughs> it has been proven to cause inflammation, fast aging, and chronic diseases. And unfortunately, it has been touted as the natural sugar alternative, but it's pretty much sugar itself. Lastly, peanuts, and even if you're not allergic to them, peanuts cause a strong inflammatory response in the body. They also contain aflatoxin. Anybody know what that is? It is what is used to cause cancer in laboratory animals. You know, when you see that little disclaimer, this product has been known to cause cancer in laboratory animals, aflatoxin is what they use to cause that. Um, If you're concerned about your health, if your ailment affects your work, family, or active lifestyle, or if you'd just like to support a healthy functioning body safely, naturally, and effectively, or would like to avoid drugs or surgery, give me a call and set up a consult. I will sit down with you and talk to you about your issues. We will do this one-on-one. You will talk to me, nobody else, and we will do it in an unrushed atmosphere. I will do some preliminary testing to see if you're a good candidate for care. If you are, we outline everything in front of you with no surprises. And if you aren't, I will do everything in my power to try and find you an appropriate referral. Another reminder, I will be at Vitamin Life in Redmond this Saturday and next Saturday. That's April 22nd and April 29th at noontime. I will be giving interactive workshops on osteoporosis and bone health. That will be this Saturday. And next Saturday, I will be giving interactive workshops on uh, cardiovascular disease and health. Uh, If you'd like to meet me in person, have any questions about those issues, or just want to go to an amazingly informative workshop, uh, please show up. All right. We got about uh, four minutes, so I think time for uh, maybe just one more question. Michael uh, from Marysville asks, my wife listens to your show a lot. I take uh, Omeprazole for heartburn, and uh, my wife keeps telling me not to take it. She keeps telling me how your show talks about its dangers all the time. And my doctor told me there are no issues with it. Uh, What are the dangers and should I stop taking it? Uh, Well, um, 
Michael, I will give you the research that I found um, as far as whether to stop, start, or change how you take it. I'm not going to advise you either way. That would be illegal and unethical, so I won't do it. Um, but I will give you the information and the sources of that information. After that, you need to make your own decision as to whether or not you should keep taking it or stop taking it or change the way you take it. Again, I cannot advise you on that part legally or ethically. However, these drugs can lead to constipation, first of all, which leads to toxicity, which according to a study by the Linda Loma Medical University, can lead to certain types of cancer. However, according to the National Institute of Health, they also rob your bones from calcium, which lowers bone density and can lead to osteoporosis. They also cause heartburn and indigestion. Why? Because these medications were never intended for long-term use, and many doctors are prescribing them that way. Another one is that omeprazole is a protein pump inhibitor, and that creates a physical dependence. A well-known side effect is an extremely uncomfortable rebound of stomach acid production and heartburn. That's right. Acid blockers cause the very problem that they are supposed to treat. That's according to a 2009 study published in Medscape that revealed that young, healthy volunteers with no previous symptoms of heartburn had severe reflux when they stopped taking protein pump inhibitors. So basically, once a person starts taking the drug for four to eight weeks, it's incredibly hard to stop. So if you yourself do decide to stop taking it, understand there is going to be a withdrawal. If that's not enough, a new study by researchers at Houston Methodist and Stanford universities show a category of drugs commonly used to fight acid reflux called protein pump inhibitors raise the risk of a heart attack. Protein pump inhibitors include such well-known uh, well brands as Prilosec, Nexium, Prevacid, and Omeprazole. So let's recap. Protein pump inhibitors cause cancer, osteoporosis, heartburn, which is the very thing they're supposed to cure, and heart failure. Many of my patients come to me stating their medical doctor denied these risks. Ask your doctor this simple question. Where did you read that? And may I have a copy? I have cited every source. If you listen to this replay on my, uh, on my iTunes or on iTunes or at Google Play on my podcast, I cited every source that information came from. I did not make this information up. Let's see if your medical doctor can cite their sources and look for independent research, the key word as independent research. Again, I appreciate all your questions. If you are trying to reach me, you can always call into the show, 425-373-5527. You can talk to me at the office, 425-868-0120. That number again is 425-868-0120. I'm actually kind of flattered. I get about a call a week, and I uh, wouldn't mind getting more. You can also email me personally, which is, seems to be the most popular way to get in touch with me, at Dr. Andy. D-R-A-N-D-Y at RedmondRidgeChiropractic.com or the Contact Us page at RedmondRidgeNutrition.com. Check out the Dr. Andy's Wellness Corner Facebook page or check out my blog at RedmondRidgeNutrition.com. There is research-based articles on health and wellness posted almost daily. I hope to see you this Saturday and next Saturday at Vitamin Life, and I hope you have a wonderful weekend. This is Dr. Andy.